Colossians chapter 3. We've been working through this now since the fall. We took a bit of a break at Christmas. We're moving into a chapter that commentators and Bible scholars would say is one of the most toughest chapters in the Bible to explain. And so I'm going to do my very best to not only explain it, but also give it some application to us as people, because I do not want at the end of any of the messages that we give at the South to have you go, well, that's great information. So what? How does that actually help me today? How does it help me tomorrow? How does it help me be a better parent, a better husband, a better wife, better business owner, better employee, whatever, better student? How does that help? And so as we jump into this scripture, we're going to be talking about the theology and the doctrine in it, but also I'm going to be applying it to our day-to-day. So let's, uh, let's jump right in because it is, uh, there's a lot to get through and I'm going to be going quite quickly. The reason that I encourage you to bring your Bibles and journals is because I have very little chance of being able to communicate everything that is in this passage successfully. And so I want you to hold your Bible, I want you to hold your, uh, your journal, I want you to take notes so that when you go home in the week, you can talk about it, you can pray it through, you can look at what other people say, you can read books and you can soak yourself in it. One of the greatest encouragements for me as a pastor and a preacher is when I have people, and it happens every week, I'm very uh, cognizant of that, is they'll come up and we had, and they'll say something, somebody will say something like this, we had a great conversation over dinner because of what was said at the South on Sunday morning. That's a win. That is a win. And so it's very difficult to do that unless you're actually actively involved in what I'm saying over the next few minutes. So Galatians 3, and we're going to read from verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Wow. There's a lot there. There's a lot there, and it's one of those passages where you kind of go, okay, I need to just go back and start again and, and reread it. So we're going to take it apart. We're not going to do it in order, but we are going to go through each of these verses and uh, see what the Lord has to say for us, uh, to us this morning. I wonder if you've had some amazing news. Like Sarah and I, as we were getting ready this morning, and I was just doing some last-minute change, I said, Sarah, what... Just tell me a time when we've received some news that has changed our lives forever. And, uh, and as she's talking, I just wrote the, a word down on my, on my laptop as I'm preparing. And, and so she was giving me things like, well, when we found out we were having a baby or any of our babies, we found out we were moving countries, we got a new job. Um, and I just, and I, as I wrote down, I was like, it's any time when we kind of receive a big yes. A big yes. And then that's basically what Sarah said. It's like, well, it's around yes, isn't it? Like we've been given the green light to, to have something, to do something, to enjoy something. And maybe it's somebody who said yes to you in, in marriage. And it changed your life forever. It's the most amazing news that, that really has a dramatic effect on a day-to-day basis. So when Sarah and I said yes to coming to Canada in 2003 for me to take up a job in Vancouver, that was a big yes from the Lord, a big yes from inside us, and we went. 
changed our lives forever. Changed our lives forever. It was good news. It was a good day. Today is about amazing news for everyone. It doesn't matter about your race, your class, your, your gender, your age, your nationality. It doesn't matter how bad your past has been, how bad the decisions you've made. This today I'm describing in this passage is fantastic. The very best news that anyone could ever hear. Everybody. And it really focuses on this final verse here. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. That's the key verse. In fact, that is the key verse for the whole of Galatians. That's what Galatians is all about, that one verse. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It's about the how and the why of the blessing of Abraham. So your good news this morning is... That you can participate and be an heir and an owner of the blessing of Abraham. How exciting is that? Hey? I know. You're just like, wow. I wish I'd spotted that before. That's so relevant to me. But most of you will be going, uh, so... The best news I've ever received in my life is that I can participate and be an owner of a dead guy's blessing. Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons, said Father Abraham. And I'm one of them. And so are you. I've forgotten the next bit. So let's all praise the Lord. Left arm. Because really, that is the limit to many of our thinking of Father Abraham. So now I'm going to ruin the rest of your day. Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons had Father Abraham. And you are welcome. You will be singing that all day. It may come up once or twice more as I preach. This dead guy's blessing. How is this? This statement, you are blessed along Abraham, got any relevance to us in Kelowna in 2020? Can I tell you, that statement has as much relevance to any good news you've ever received, anyone in any country, anywhere in the world, any language, any race, any creed, any gender, of which there are two. It doesn't matter. You have been blessed. You can be heirs of Abraham. Christian friends, you are a blessed heir of Abraham. And this this statement that Paul has said here was like dropping a doctrinal atomic bomb. It's massive. Because the people in Galatia were acutely aware and wanted to know about the blessing of Abraham. Do you understand that over a half of the world's population today are interested in the Abraham's blessing? It has got massive consequence. And the whole letter of Galatians is all about who is blessed and secondly, how you're blessed. So my job over the next few minutes is to explain to you and show you how this is the best news you have ever, ever received. And if you've never received it, how you get to participate and be an heir and part of this blessing. So the first question has to be, well, what is the blessing? What is the blessing? How is this going to 
change my life? Well, very simply, and some theologians would probably uh, be a bit disturbed by my simplicity, is the blessing of Abraham, very simply, four words, is God solving our mess. God solving our mess. I was baptized by a gentleman called Mr. Searle. Mr. Searle was, I, I remember being, Mr. Searle being, I'm going to be very honest with you, I remember as a 16-year-old thinking Mr. Searle is, is ancient. Apparently, I wasn't wrong. He really was very, very old. He, he was a member of the church. He was a founding member. In fact, I think he pastored the church that I was part of uh, as a teenager. Uh, Sarah's dad, Stan, was the pastor of the church at the time, but Mr. Searle was one of the founding members and pastors. And he was a man of fire and energy and love for the gospel and Jesus in a way that would be so kind of insensitive today, um, I'm I'm actually intrigued by it. So, for example, uh, they hired, because him and his wife were getting very elderly, they hired a cleaner for their house and before she was allowed in to the house, to after she accepted the cleaning job, she was made to be uh, go on her knees and ask Jesus into her life. I'm like, I don't know whether you can do that. I'm not sure if that's part of the Employment Act or not, that you can make some of this. Now, you're talking, um, so this would be, I guess, in the, in the 70s, that kind of time. He was... He had some gumption. He didn't care what people thought. He was a missionary from Africa. He'd seen amazing things. And, uh, and he just kind of seemed to take a liking to me. And it was pretty scary. He would preach like hanging over the pulpit. He used to wear black leather gloves when he preached. I don't know why, but how scary is that? And he used to just grip and, and gripping and trembling and shaking. And like, man, that guy could preach. And he said... Glenn, I'm going to baptize you. You are going to be a preacher. And he spoke truth and revelation into me. A point in my life where, like, I really didn't, I I frankly couldn't find my bum with both hands when it came to life. I really was just clueless. And Pete, you can write that one down. And, And I really was. But he saw something in me and spoke truth into me in a time when, when I, I needed that. But I remember one thing he preached. I don't remember a lot, but I remember this one thing. I remember him preaching about judgment and about our judging one another. And he used to say, and I remember, he said, every time you point at somebody in judgment, angry. I'm like, you're pretty angry right now. And he's like this. He said, remember, there are three fingers pointing back at you. He's right. He's right. Like, when it comes to what is the blessing, when it comes to cleaning up our mess, the first person that we have to start with in the mess is our own heart. And he knew it. He saw it in me. And if we're really honest, we see it in one another. We have a mess. The evil that our hearts are capable of producing is profound. When I say our, I'm not trying to defer it or just off to humanity, those people, we know in the quietness of our own hearts what we can be capable of. So the mess starts here. And so the blessing of Abraham cleans up our mess in here. It also 
talks about the mess, the strife and the violence between people, the domestic abuse, racism, genocide, all the things that we witness in our world. It's talking about that mess. It's also talking about the mess that Roman 8 refers to when it talks about creation, groaning, waiting for the return of Jesus. We live in a world that is groaning. You groan when you're in pain. You groan when you're discouraged. You groan when you are damaged. You cry out, will it ever end? We look at what's going on in our world, in creation around the world today, and you can see that the world is groaning under the weight of poor decision on the part of the mess that is inside mankind. It's there. Romans 8 also talks about creation and, and, and the reality of our world being in a, quote, bondage to corruption, that this idea that decay is an ever-present reality is corruption, that the toys of today are on the junkyards of tomorrow, that everything just seems to decay. It's part of life. Our bodies grow old, friendships sour, marriages grow distant, churches fall into difficulty, governments lurch. All this is part of the creation that is groaning, waiting for the return of the blessing of Abraham to take effect. Abraham's blessing literally is reversing the consequences of the curse. Reversing the curse. That's Father Abraham's blessing. That's the blessing that God gave to him. And you can trace it back into Genesis chapter 12 where God said that this blessing would start in Abraham and run through his family. And and the blessing was, was to come was as a result of the fall and the curse that had already happened that you can read about in Genesis 3 through to 11. It describes the consequences of the fall, the decision on the part of Adam and Eve that we've already heard about in our Advent series that their decision, the sin, the the thread of the curse goes through mankind. It started there. If you're not sure about that, then focus on the consequences that every aspect of life is far removed from the original perfect design. If you're not sure about perfect design, then you know, therefore, even if you're not sure about perfect design, if you're you're still not sure about Christianity and the Bible teaching, you know this for sure, that something is not right. You know it's not right because you have a deep sense inside that it can be better. Where does that come from? We only know that something is ugly if we have a sense of what is beautiful. So the consequence of jealousy and anger and murder and vengeance and violence and corruption and drunkenness and sexual disorder and arrogance is threaded into our world, whether it be on a personal level, between people or in our creation itself. It is there. Everything good is twisted in on itself. That God has given us good things in his common grace, theological term, common grace, where God's grace, whether you hate him or love him, you still get to enjoy good steak and wonderful weather common grace, those things that we've been given as humans to enjoy, things like sex, a gift from God for humans to enjoy that has been twisted in on itself and has created abuse and corruption and horrendous acts. You take something as simple as food, good food. I love good food. I love food too much. And yet it's twisted in on itself that has created now things that have resulted in things that actually create death. Good things like drink and alcohol. Nothing wrong with a glass of wine. However, twisted, wrong, in and of itself, you can drink too much of it to corruption. So these good things that God has given us, twisted in on themselves, this is the mess that we live in. 
Technology, common grace, nothing wrong with technology. Twisted in on itself can become sinful and horrendous and corrupt. So, why is the blessing of Abraham so relevant to you and I? Because deep down inside, every one of us, every human, strives for what the blessing of Abraham promises to bring. Every one of these things that I have described, every one of these problems solved by God. God reversing the consequences of the curse. That's why it's such amazing news for us. Reversing the consequences of the curse. So let me, let me give you a visual example of what I'm talking about. Um, when Sarah and I were, first came to uh, Canada, we lived just outside Vancouver, and, and we came on holiday pretty quickly, actually, to uh, Peachland, or Summerland. Which one was it? Peachland. And so we had this, we were renting a house along with some friends, and we were sat out on the back porch looking across the lake to this. That's not me, just in case you're thinking. This. How many of you remember that? How many of you were directly affected that you actually had to move out of the way of that? Okay, so you know exactly... Like, I'm sat this far away from it, and I literally said these words to my wife. Why on earth would you live there? What a crazy place to live. I can just imagine God going, Gabriel, Michael, come here. Listen to this. We're going to have some fun with this guy. Because not only did God call us to Kelowna, he actually caused us to live right in the epicenter, Kettle Valley, right where the fires actually came. It was funny, when we first moved there, it was still quite fresh in people's minds, I think. It was just maybe five years after or four years after the, the event. And, uh, and we had this lady, I don't even remember who it was. I just remember giggling in my mind, not visually, because that would have been rude. Later, behind her back, much better. Um, she said, well, she said, you're living in a very dangerous place. I said, why? She said, we're in Kettle Valley, fires. I'm like, we're in the safest place in Kelowna. There's nothing to burn. It's all gone. It's like... It was, and you can still see the remnant of that for years to come. Think about Australian bushfires. I can't even wrap my head around the enormity of that. I don't think we can. They're saying now up to a billion animals killed as a result. A billion. So just imagine the blessing of Abraham. Imagine this is a picture of our world. Pretty dramatic. All the mess and corruption and curse and consequences that whether you believe in God or not, you can see. You can see, maybe you've experienced it yourself. And God comes along, and what he promises in his scripture is to roll everything back. To make everything beautiful again. To take that which is broken and hurt and corrupt and evil and sinful and sickness and disease, every consequence of the curse, he is going to reconcile back to perfection. That's God's promise to Abraham. That's the blessing. That's the shalom, the peace that is the promise to every one of us. Peace inside, peace between people, peace globally in our creation, creation groaning for it. Look at this. I saw this this morning. Syria, Harms, same road. See, this is what evil and sin and corruption creates. This is the beauty. I mean, I mean, it looks lovely, 
But even better than that is the perfection of God. God promises to roll back that which is broken. That's the blessing of Abraham. It's the return of Jesus. So when we say, mums and dads, you need to really read into this. When you talk about heaven to your kids, or if I as a pastor talk to you about heaven, I go, guys, we get to go to heaven. Some of you, and I included, part of me kind of goes, okay, hear me out. Listen to all the way through the end of my sentence, okay? Heaven sounds boring to me. It sounds like a lot of light and a lot of singing. And now I like a good concert, don't get me wrong. But forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, if all I'm going to do is to sing, I get a crown for a couple of minutes before I throw it at Jesus' feet. If that's it, then I'm like, that doesn't sound very exciting to young men like this. How, how can we speak and preach life into people and say, give your life to Jesus, because don't worry, one day you'll get to heaven Because for us, we've been created as humans. We've been created to feel and touch things. I said a few weeks ago, to feel grass and and sand between our toes, to experience exhilaration and and, and life and earth. Which is why, if you have an eschatology, a, a belief of the end times that results in us all living forever in heaven, you're wrong. Bible doesn't say that. What it says is, is that we will live forever on a new heaven and a new earth. That all of this will get reversed back to the perfection before the fall. If you think it looks good now, buckle up, Christian friends. This is where the lion will lie down with the lamb, where there will not be any sickness, there will be no uh, tears, there will be no disease, there will be no pain, there will be no murder, there will be no strife. It will be perfect that God created it that way. That is the blessing of Abraham. Let me read you this in Revelation. 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Notice that? New heaven, new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. God present on earth. King Jesus on the throne forever with you and I living in perfect communion with him as our king. He will dwell with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, John. For, those words, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. That is our future, Christian friend. Not some ethereal Lord of the Rings type heaven that we sail into forever and ever with singing and light. New earth. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's good news because when you're experiencing the pain and persecution and horror of the world today, you can look forward to the hope of the blessing of Abraham in the tomorrow. That's why Paul could say for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. Wow. The ultimate solution of our mess 
That's Abraham's blessing. It's the answer to every one of our dilemmas, the antidote to every disease, the resolution to every conflict. This is what every one of us needs and wants. And that is where hope lies. Because you can endure a massive amount when you have a hope of what your future is going to be around the corner. The Bible describes our life as a vapor. Your future is what I've just described. And I can't even give it justice. I can get passionate, but I cannot paint it with the rigor and the beauty and the ultimate... I I wish I could. But that's your future, Christian friend. Promise to Abraham and promise to those who are blessed along with Abraham. So, how do we share in this? How do we share in it? Well, it's pretty simple. We share in it by becoming one of Abraham's family. Look what Paul says in the same scripture we read before. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you, Abraham, shall all the nations be blessed. In you, Abraham, not by. Let me just go back to this picture. How does this get corrected? Better politics? I think we've seen that not work? Did it get corrected by better green practices? You know, better environmental policies? Better allocation of budgets? By being nicer to one another? Is, is that how we're going to get that seeming utopia that I'm describing? How, how does it happen? It happens by being in Abraham. You will be blessed. Is not by Buddha or Muhammad or any other religion. It is through and in Abraham. It's not going to be found on your yoga mat, in your RRSP, or on the success of your children, or how good your grades are at school. It's not going to be found there. It's found in Abraham by being an heir. In Galatians 3, verse 29. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to promise. So, I'll give you a challenge. Next time you hear somebody has passed away who's got a significant amount of money, see if you can crash your way into that inheritance. See whether you can somehow get that inheritance just to come to you, just by your own hard work, vigor, and being nice. Not going to get you very far. For you to be an heir, you have to be a child. So, in Galatia at that time, you had a group of Jews who were saying, in order to become an heir, you have to be circumcised. That's what the whole of this book is about. In order for you to have Abraham's blessing, you must be circumcised. You must follow the dietary laws of the time. Paul comes in and says, actually, that's not what I read. That's not what the scripture says. You don't have to become a Jew in order to become an heir of this promise. Because look what Paul said preached the gospel beforehand. He foresaw that God would justify, this is Abraham, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand. It's very simple and yet incredibly profound that Abraham was a man of faith because he'd had the gospel preached to him before God came into his life and said that you need to be circumcised. So the circumcision came after Abraham actually believed. 
Genesis 15 verse 6, and he believed the Lord and and he counted it to him as righteousness. This word counted is an accounting term. It means credited. So he became righteous as a result of believing the Lord, not because he was circumcised. And so Paul is preaching this and they're going nuts because it completely and radically changes their view of how they get to be part of the blessing. God always intended to save and bless the people by faith, not by works. And then, once you have received this blessing, you can be a blessing to others. When you go to work or you go into your school or if you go into whatever circle God has given you, you take this blessing, this heaven on earth, if you like, into those circumstances through you and then into creation. He says in verse 7 of chapter 3, we've already read this, know then that it is of those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So if you want to become a son of Abraham, it's be through faith, not by what you do and don't do. We become part of the family. It's not by being a nice person. It's not by having good morals. It's not by having, uh, being really generous. And all these good uh, things are, are good. It's not by um, uh, uh, bringing your children up well. It's not by any of these things that we partake in the blessing of Abraham. He believed God, the scripture says. He believed God. I need to just pause because in the same way that the Jews were very caught up with the idea of the blessing, we are caught up with this idea of blessing. We We may not think of it in the terms that I've described heaven and earth, But we're desperate for something better. We're desperate for something more of a utopia. Something that we sense is out there. That we feel like we are made for. We have a sense of a better world. Because otherwise, let me just flick back. If we didn't know that there was something better, there would be nothing in us that would know that this is wrong. Does that make sense? You look at that and something inside you goes, oh, that's wrong. You look at that and something inside of you goes, that is wrong. You look at somebody who has cancer or somebody who's struggling with pain and something inside of you goes, that is wrong. You don't have to be a Christian to believe that. You just know it. And so, like the Jews, that really is the blessing of Abraham that is echoing inside each one of us. This sense of something better. And the Jews believed, let me just flick back to where I was before. The Jews believed that that came by following strict rules. So, listen, really important. So do we. Apart from we don't think it's through circumcision. I won't say ask for an amen. We don't believe it's through dietary laws. Although I could argue that we do have dietary laws in our culture that if you follow, then you will somehow experience some utopia because people will like you better. We follow a different set of rules to try and get that blessing. Just like the Jews did. And so Paul comes into our lives and said, actually, no, it is by faith. By faith. Not by what you do or don't do. Not by what you avoid. Not by being a good person. And we are tempted, like the Jews of the day, to draw back to that, saying this is the answer. Where all the time God is saying, no, your increased bank account is not the answer. We need to, friends, stop looking at our very, very short lives as the answer and looking towards eternity. We need to start living our lives with a view of what is to come. 
And we don't know when that will actually happen. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And we don't know when you get to meet Jesus. As we've experienced the last few weeks with some dear friends in our family. We don't know. And so it's the height of foolishness to work hard to try and get the utopia that we believe we deserve, whether it be through hard work or increased money or better kids or whatever it might be, while all the time ignoring the future, ignoring the heaven, ignoring the blessing that is before us, that we've been told that the only way you receive that is by faith, not by works. Abraham believed the Lord. Let me, let me finish and draw this together in this way. Although in first reading this passage looks very thick and complicated, it's actually very, very simple. You want to be part of the blessing? Wonderful. The blessing is reversing the curse. That's great. The way that you become part of the blessing is by faith, not by you working hard in this culture that God has placed us in. It's as simple as that. And Abraham, it says, believed the Lord. Notice it doesn't say in the Lord. He believed what the Lord said. He believed the message of the Lord. He believed the word of the Lord. And we've been given a different word. His name is Jesus, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. And we read in Hebrews that Jesus is the perfect example, the perfection of God. He is God. And so we've been given this word and we need to believe the word in order to be able to live by faith in the blessing that we've been given as a promise. So when we believe in Jesus, righteousness and promise is counted to us. And that is a gift. You see, Abraham wasn't perfect. He messed up. Gosh, he he, he basically pawned off his wife twice committed adultery with a servant he messed up but he kept on coming back to God in repentance asking for repentance and as a such he recognized that God was the one who was his savior not what he did and didn't do and that in itself is the gospel he wasn't perfect he was far from it but he was active in his faith You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So faith and works are combined but it's by faith that he did the works. He left things behind. He went and did things. He sought after God actively every day. So friends... How is this relevant to us on a day-to-day basis? You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Sorry, wrong way around. On earth, (laughs) as it is in heaven. That is the blessing. That you today can live in the midst of Abraham's blessing that is going to go on in eternity, that you can be a minister of that blessing, that you can go into situations, go into family conversations, into your workplace. You can look at your budget. You can look at your money. You can look at the possessions that God in his grace has given you. And you can say, how can these things be used to communicate the blessing of God to other people? Remember, I read this to you a few weeks ago in 2 Corinthians, that you can be a minister of reconciliation. Reconciliation means going back to the perfection, that you can be an example of that perfection. That is incredibly relevant to every one of us every day. 
It changes the lenses and the decisions that we make. That we don't make decisions based on things that will terminate on me alone. We make decisions now based on how is this going to communicate Abraham's blessing into this situation and thereby point other people to it. How can I use this money? How can I use this possession? How can I use my house? How can I use my gifts? How can I use my time in order to bring the blessing of Abraham? That's what this active life looks like. That we leave things behind like Abraham. We go towards things like Abraham and we seek his face. That's how it's relevant. And that's why it's the best news you've received all day. Christian friends, you are blessed as an heir. Blessed as a child of Abraham. That's good news. Be encouraged. Be encouraged in the tension and the trouble you might be feeling today. Be encouraged in your parenting. Be encouraged in your friendships. Be encouraged in your businesses and your workplace that you are there for such a time as this to communicate the blessing of God into people's lives. That's good news. And be encouraged that there will be a day when you will live in a new heaven and a new earth. A new city, Hebrews talks about it in Hebrews 11. And it says for the hope that is that they, they saw it afar off. They lived their lives like pilgrims in the land. Because they saw the hope. They saw the new city. They saw the blessing. They saw the new earth. And it changed the way they lived today. And for those of you who don't, who, who want that blessing, but have never received the blessing, never received and believed Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. You too can be an heir of salvation. You too can be an heir of the blessing. Today, you can become a kid of Abraham. You can actually sing with gusto, Father Abraham. Because unless you actually receive Jesus as your personal savior, you can't. He's just a flannel graph from years gone by at Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. That could be yours too. By recognizing you're chasing a blessing that you will never, ever attain. By chasing a blessing by your own power and decisions. And that's what we call sin, and all it is is increasing the mess that you too can be part of this family. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come to you grateful for the gift that is on offer to every one of us. That salvation and adoption into a family is ours by faith. Faith in you, Jesus. Faith in what you said. Faith in what you did for every one of us on the cross. And Lord, I pray this morning God, we will pause even as we worship and we will say thank you God for this blessing. Thank you God for the promise that all that is corrupt will one day be perfect. The hope that that gives. Father, that Lord, I, I pray that you would guard us from communicating fear because we are fearful of the decisions our leaders in government make. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that see beyond the present government and fix our eyes upon you, Jesus, King Jesus, 
that you are on the throne. Lord, I pray for those in the room who don't know you, who are not yet heirs and children of this promise. Lord, I pray that even today, as we sing, that they would quietly pray and humble themselves before you and ask for forgiveness. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would live as the blessed children of Abraham. Lord, I pray it would change what we say, what we do, the decisions we make, the things that we focus on, the things that we prioritize, that, Lord, every aspect of our lives would be oriented on the truth that we are heirs of this amazing promise. Lord, I pray it would saturate our spirits and invigorate us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.